We meet today in Psalm chapter 135 and 136. Basically, these psalms are praising the Lord. Now we have left the pilgrim's psalms or the psalms of ascents, and now we come to the songs of praise. Psalm 135 is a hallelujah psalm. It begins with praise the Lord, and it ends with praise the Lord. This psalm is in a parenthesis of hallelujahs. In it, Israel praises God for the deliverance of the past. It is a great call to praise God, almost like a universal invitation. Here is Psalm 135, verse 1 to verse 3. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise Him, all you servants of the Lord, you who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises to His name, for it is pleasant. Now, we do not say enough that God is good. And my friend, have you told anyone that God is good? He is a good God. This is a call to praise. And so you praise the name of the Lord. You who are called the servants of the Lord. You who stand in the house of the Lord. In the courts of God. Praise him. Why? He is good. And that is the pleasant and most fitting thing for a creature to do to the creator. Praise the Lord. Psalm 135, verse 6 to verse 7. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all the deep places. He causes the vapors to ascend from the urns of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain. He brings the wind out of his treasuries. You see, it is God who makes the weather. That is the thing. And so he must be praised. But above all, we learn a lot of lessons here. The weatherman does not make the weather, my friend. And the proof of this is that he does not always give us a correct report. He is not in touch with the headquarters. And the headquarters is God. He is in touch with a lot of the scientific gadgets that he uses, and every now and then he comes up with an educated guess. But God makes the weather. This is a sobering thought, my friend. In nations where the economy is agrarian-based, sometimes the weatherman has given false reports uh, saying that there will be no rain, and God gave abundant rain. Or the weatherman has said, we will have lots of rain, and then there was a drought. Only to prove the fact that we are not the determiners of our own destiny. We have a creator. God is the creator. Not only does he make the weather, but he runs the universe as he pleases, as it pleases him as well. We have many questions that God has not answered, and frankly, God does not have to answer our questions. He asks us to trust him and live a life of faith. He runs the universe as he wishes. 
And so the psalmist compares the living God with idols. What is his point? The point is so that people may turn their backs away from idols and trust in God. And look at the contrast in Psalm 135, verse 15 to verse 18. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. Idols may have representative organs of people, but they are immaterial. They are not what they are worthy. They do not speak. They do not have life. They are man-made items. And why should a, a human being make something and then you bow your knee to that which your hands have only created? And many of us are guilty of that. And someone may be saying, that is a little silly for someone to worship something that you have made. Well, but we still do, don't we? What we are able to do if we are able to think, if we are able to invest, if we are able to make certain connections, we trust in those. And that is an idol. We must trust in God. But there is something that these verses have told us today. Those who make idols are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. My friend, you are going to be like your God. What do you worship? You worship something? It could be gold or silver. It doesn't have to be in the shape of an image or an idol either. Many people today worship gold and silver. That is covetousness and modern idolatry. Whatever your God is, if it is not living and true God, he may have a mouth, but he cannot speak. He may have ears, but he cannot hear. Only the living God can hear you. By the way, that even goes as far as people who may even have mouths and hands and ears. They will not help you. Only God can help you. How? Because he will become like your God. And it is a good idea to worship the true God. We ought to bless his name. Not false gods. Psalm 135 verse 21. Blessed be the Lord out of Zion, who dwells in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. You see, God is worthy to be praised. And that is what we see in this tremendous psalm. The invitation is, let us praise the Lord. Why? Because he is blessed. He dwells there in Jerusalem on his throne. Psalm chapter 136 is a psalm expressing thanks to God for his mercy. Now, in the Jewish tradition, this psalm is referred to as the great Hallel in contradiction to the lesser Hallels, psalms like 113 to 118. They are lesser Hallels. This is the great Hallel. It is also somewhat similar to Psalm 135. The Lord's mercy 
denoting a covenant love and faithfulness, is mentioned in all the 26 refrains of this psalm. It praises God's mercy in creation, in redemption, in fighting enemies, and for the future glory. The psalm was no doubt sung and fornally when the people responding with the refrain. The word mercy is important in the Psalter. It refers to God's loyal love for his people. He is in a covenant with them and he loves to be loyal to that covenant. Psalm 136, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Now, thanklessness is all too common among humans, my friend. Rather than being grateful for the good gifts we have received from God, we often act as if we actually had a right for more things to just come from God to us. Sometimes we even complain about the privileges and blessings God has given us, and we go to the great lengths to obtain more, even coveting what someone else has. The trouble is thanklessness. Hearts that are not grateful. Now here the Psalms help us to combat such selfishness by calling us to give thanks to the Lord. That is why we have this verse giving us a great invitation. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. How do we do so? The Psalms actually have given us various ways on how we can give thanks. Some of them are, we must rehearse what God has done for us in his mercy. Psalm 107 talks about that, and particularly this psalm before us. But we can also give thanks to the Lord by challenging us to express gratitude for what we have. What we already have, we must express gratitude. Psalm 92 verse 1 does that. And also we need to remind ourselves of the source of everything that we have, that it is God. And Psalm 104 tells us that. Now, at least we minimize the importance of offering heartfelt thanks to God. Psalm 106 illustrates the danger of forgetting. It reveals Israel's history of faithlessness from unbelief in Egypt to idolatry in the promised land. The psalm ends with the plea for God to save his people in order that they may give thanks to his holy name. We can avoid great pain and loss by living thankful lives before the one who provides us with life and all that we have. The Lord has plenty of his mercy. He will never run out of it. And I need more of his mercy. I need a lot of it. God be merciful to me. Or give thanks to the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. Or give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endures forever. Psalm 136 verse 2 and verse 3. Now, you see that every verse in this psalm mentions the mercy of God. It exalts God's mercy. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4, Paul says, 
But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Now, I want mercy from God and he is rich in it. God forgives me because he is rich in mercy. Have you called on him, my friend? If you really want forgiveness, he will give it to you. He deals with us according to his mercy. You can never exhaust the mercy of God. Jeremiah talks about these mercies of God, talking about them in the book of Lamentations. They are new every morning. They are new every morning. They never come to an end. This is a praise to God the Creator. And I want you to notice that every verse has the refrain, for his mercy endures forever. Here is Psalm 136, verse 5 to verse 9. To him who by wisdom made thy heavens, for his mercy endures forever. To him who laid out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endures forever. To him who made great lights, for his mercy endures forever. The sun to rule by day, for his mercy endures forever. The moon and the stars to rule by night, for his mercy endures forever. Now, every time you look at storm clouds, or at the seas, or the sun, or the night sky, you should be reminded of the Lord's enduring mercy. That is, in effect, the point of Psalm 136, especially verse 5 to verse 9. The psalmist reminds us that God created all these natural wonders, but he does so by driving home one theme, his mercy endures forever. The point is that nature itself is an expression of God's faithful mercy. What kind of response can we make as we worship our merciful creator, well, we can take care of the natural resources that he has entrusted to us. His mercy endures forever. Actually, the next section in this psalm is a praise to God for his mercy in delivering Israel from Egyptian bondage. We talked about this at a number of times, especially in the book of Psalms. And with every step of God's deliverance, what does the psalmist do? He repeats, for his mercy endures forever. Then the psalmist concludes with God's mercy in giving them their land, in giving them their land. And he gave their land as a heritage, for his mercy endures forever, a heritage to Israel. His servant, for his mercy, endures forever. You see, the concluding section of this glorious psalm is as meaningful to you and me as it is to the people of Israel. Here it is in Psalm 136, verse 23 to verse 26. Who remembered us in our lowly estate, for his mercy endures forever, and rescued us from our enemies, for his mercy endures forever. Who gives food to all flesh, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven, 
for his mercy endures forever. My friend, enough reason has already been given why Israel should give thanks to the Lord. In verse 1, why Israel should give thanks to the God of gods in verse 2, and why Israel should give thanks to the Lord of lords in verse 3. Yet the psalmist poetically finds one more avenue to describe the mercy of the Lord, which endures forever. Thanks is to be given to the Lord who remembered us in our lowly estate. My friend, I was remembered by the Lord in my lowly estate. Who am I that a king should die in my place? Who would have thought when I grew up out in the rural areas I would be a spokesperson for the sovereign Lord? He remembered me in my lowly estate. Well, although this may actually refer to the Babylonian captivity as the lowly estate, it more likely referred also to the Egyptian captivity or any other time in which Israel was humiliated by her enemies. It was the God whose mercy was without duration, who has snatched us from our adversaries, the psalmist says. This is the same God who gives food to all flesh, both to men and animals. Such a merciful God deals kindly and tenderly with all his creatures. When the psalmist recalls the great grace of God and the infinite enduring mercy of the Lord, he can but conclude his thoughts by saying, Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven. This particular name, Jehovah, is found nowhere else in the psalm. It is an expressive designation for the glorious God who is far above the pestilences and annoyances of earth and yet not so far above these that he cannot redeem his people from them. Is it little wonder then that the psalmist found it appropriate to repeat some 26 times the refrain, for his mercy endures forever. I don't know about you, my friend, but I feel like saying hallelujah again. How wonderful is our God. Learn to fall down before him and worship him. He is worthy of worship. When you get down in the dust, you and I have to get down in order for us to actually get up. But when we do so, he will lift us up with his own mercy. Give thanks to the God of heaven for his mercy endures forever. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send an email to info at twrafrica.org. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me repeat that email address for you. Info at twrafrica.org.